afternoon, brethren. And uh, I hope that everyone has had a blessed Sabbath uh, and is um, rested and spiritually refreshed from our time that we have had uh, with the Lord. My um, prayer thought is from 1TG 9, page 12. What the world needs today is not preachers, but teachers who can teach with one hand. I use the pick, the pick or the shovel with the other hand. Neither is the world in need of men angling for Moses and for Aaron's office, but it is in dire need of men who can take orders and successfully carry them through. That is two big ifs there. There are a lot of people who don't even want to take orders. And um, for those of us who have been in the military, we long ago learned that taking orders is the thing to do if they are legal orders. And um, we don't have a problem, but there's a lot of people, uh, independent Davidians and not, who do have a problem. Nobody tells me what to do, brother. And uh, that's their choice, that we do have those choices, you know. The Lord has given us uh, the free agency to make good choices and really bad choices, too. And the other side of this is not just taking orders, because there are people, plenty of men-pleasers, time-servers, and so on, who will take the order, but successfully carry them through. That is such a big thing. So many plans fail because different people, key people, I don't know if you think of yourself as a key person, but every person in the chain of action is a key person. And key people fail to carry through their order successfully, and it falls apart to a small degree here, a bigger degree there, and it will happen, and it does happen. And that's because they haven't seen the necessity for us to successfully take orders, not just to go through the motions, but we need to successfully. Once we accept an order, uh, we need to successfully carry it through. Men who dare face the giant, the lion, and the bear. And I know people will um, spiritualize these things, and rightly so. But uh, it is also literally necessary for us to be as David was. David was brave and competent. Uh, we need to be brave and competent as well. Men who dare to be heroes for God, men wondered at, men with unfailing faith and unlimited patience. That's a big one right there. Uh, believing that God himself is steering the ship and that therefore there can be no failure. Now, whatever it is that God promises to do, if he promises to steer the ship, to lead the way, he is faithful and he will not say he's going to do it and then leave us halfway. It doesn't happen with the Lord. If he says he is taking up the reins in his own hand, 
it's not going to slip from his hands. Occasionally, if you have ridden horses, you would know that occasionally the reins might slip from your hands. Most, mostly if you're a beginner, but anyone, it can happen. Uh, in that case, uh, if the reins are not tied together and they're like directly on the ground, trailing on the ground, you have to lean way forward over the horse's neck to, to reach your hand up by where his um, head is, where, where the mouth is, because the reins are like straight down. And it's necessary to pick up those reins very quickly too, from a human point of view, because if the horse steps on the rein, he's going to very often get very offended, uh, annoyed. Uh, it hurts him when he steps on it like that. And it pulls on his mouth real hard. And so, uh, especially if you're trotting or uh, um, uh, the Lord forbid, if you're galloping fast <laughs> and he steps on the reins, you're not gonna, it's not gonna be a happy ending right there. But none of those things happen with the Lord. The Lord, it doesn't slip through his hands. If he said he's taking up the reins in his own hands, they are in his hands, brethren. If he says he is leading the way, he is leading the way. He doesn't lie. He can't lie. The world certainly needs men like Noah, Moses, David, Ezra, Nehemiah, and a great number of Job's. And Job, one of the things that impresses me about Job is he did have great patience, but his patience was even with his friends. His friends gave him a hard time and his wife too, but we won't go into that. <laughs> no, his, but this is what we will see. Our own friends and household will give us a hard time. We have to be especially patient with our so-called friends, family. Our work and duty are now made as clear as they can be at this particular time. We need not, therefore, err, need not be ignorant of what is to be done and how it is to be done. Okay, but, um, but it is a true principle that our, uh, that our um, own family, our own household will be uh, the, uh, the source of a lot of our own difficulty. This is a fact uh, in a general way. Our work and our duty is made clear. This is who we need to be. This is the kind of people we need to be. And it all centers around people who are like David, people who can take orders and follow them through successfully. And it is these people who are going to uh, um, win through. And the Lord has said that therefore there can be no failure. That is a big thing. Uh, we're going to talk about this, uh, but if the Lord says there's, there can be no failure, uh, then that prophecy will come true. Every word of the Lord is pure and every word will be fulfilled. Prophecy will be fulfilled. And uh, we are going to talk about this. This message is uh, uh, destined to succeed. This message is prophesied to succeed. And that's a very interesting thought there. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, 
we thank you that we have been given uh, the knowledge of this message that you have uh, you have ha had the love and concern for us to uh, introduce us to this message and the opportunity to be part of this great people that you are forming even now. We pray that you will uh, that you will continue to watch over us, that you will continue to uh, bless us with uh, uh, understanding and determination, that we may uh, not uh, grow tired, grow faint-hearted, but that we will be brave and that we will press on uh, to the very end. We pray that you will be with your children, your Davidian children, today, wherever they are. And we pray especially for those who are sick, those who are uh, ill uh, with uh, uh, whatever, uh, the virus and other things. We pray for uh, those who are hungry. We pray that you will help each and every single one of them in the way that only you can. And that um, we also will all be uh, uh, impressed to do our part. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before moving on, I do want to mention that this uh, current uh, pandemic seems to be moving into another phase. And uh, that is how the Spanish flu of uh, whatever it was, 1917, uh, 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 whatever it was, that's how it went with different waves. And there's been several countries, and India is one of them, where you will see articles titled uh, uh, The Ex Amazing Experience of India, how they're exceptional, whatever. And so they seem to have been untouched for a, uh, in a serious way to begin with. And then all of a sudden, there's this wave that is going through there now that is very big. And it is a real thing. Uh, many, many people are sick. Over, uh, when you have over 300,000 people, new people sick every day, that's a lot of people. India is a big country, but it's, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it, 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 we should understand that that is a lot of people who are getting sick there. And it is putting a strain on the system and the system is partly falling apart. Uh, we don't know what the future holds. If for us personally, uh, for uh, the next few minutes, the next few days and uh, weeks, we don't know. We know that this message succeeds. And uh, we, we do know in prophecy a number of other things. But when it comes to these things right now, we cannot be sure, but it is quite possible that uh, we have not seen the worst of this uh, pandemic. That to me is very offensive and uh, disagreeable news because it's been worse, bad enough already. <laughs> and uh, so keep in mind, and, and it is good to pray. Um, I could almost agree with uh, the Pope. He, uh, he, he, he decreed that all the Catholics uh, 
should pray for one month solid that the epidemic go away. And uh, while we are not going to do the, uh, join him and them exactly like that, uh, it is something to keep before the Lord, not just for a month, but for, um, uh, for indefinitely because it is a serious situation. Lots of people are being uh, hurt in a severe way and the final uh, understanding of these things will come. We will understand later, but um, uh, it is a bad situation to the left and to the right, and uh, only the Lord is going to get us through, okay? So uh, be aware of these things. Uh, keep India and other countries in your prayers. Um, very serious things. Uh, if this... Um, virus mutates a second time beyond what it is now, and you have a third wave or a fourth wave, each wave worse, each wave killing more people, uh, it could be uh, that this is uh, going to uh, be a way that uh, the time, the clock is slightly set back, rewound, not uh, against the Lord's will, by the way, cannot be done against the Lord's will. But the exact way that it will be done is, uh, is the Lord uh, himself uh, in control. Um, Brother Hadith points out that the, that the seven last pet plagues are called the seven last plagues, meaning that there were plagues beforehand. Okay, We're not surprised to see plagues in the land. There are going to be uh, plagues and pestilences and wars and so on. Uh, and there's going to be more and more of that. So many things are going to happen between now and the end. And even between now and the kingdom. We, uh, as we see prophecy fulfilling, uh, it will be thrilling and exciting and it will also be uh, remember that uh, we will be concerned, very concerned. We will be digging for truth as to get out of from under a, an avalanche. We will uh, be um, troubled by what is going on. We're not going to sail peacefully into the kingdom. If you thought that, that's not what the message says. So um, we don't know, again, where the future goes with this, but what we do know is it's a serious situation. You need to personally take it seriously too. For those people who don't, um, I hope the best for you, I, I, and I hope that everything works out, but you cannot blame yourself. Uh, uh, I mean, sorry, you cannot blame the Lord if you are not doing everything you can do uh, yourself, okay? So that's something I just wanted to mention. Um, the world situation, very serious, uh, very much on edge in different ways. You can see how the enemy has positioned different countries on the edge of war right now. And um, uh, all is, is required is for the Lord to remove the, the smallest of the, the, uh, the, uh, the um, weights that are holding back things, just the smallest of things, and, and things are going to 
uh, many things will happen, okay? People, um, countries like to take advantage of things, uh, weaknesses. If they see um, uh, uh, that there's a weak situation, they will try to take advantage. So we have uh, the Russians mobilizing on the Ukrainian border, and that's what they have done. They have mobilized on the uh, 100,000 plus uh, man army on the Ukrainian border. We have the Chinese in, uh, 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 daily um, intruding into the Taiwan airspace, which they claim is their airspace anyway. <laughs> and, and so we have two major situations. If you have a big dog, and I, I have seen this actually happen with a, a dog that we had years ago, and uh, he was the boss around here, but as we were going down past somebody, someplace, two other good-sized dogs came at him from both ways, and he had a, a tussle there, uh, and, and I called him off, of course, and took him on, but um, it can throw the big dog off his, his, his usual um, uh, behavior there. And um, he wasn't a, a super aggressive dog, by the way. He was just a very successful dog when it came to uh, fighting. But, um, but in this case, we have a, a, a big dog, United States, uh, and uh, you have Russia who has uh, reasons for being very, very angry and upset with Ukraine. We have uh, China, long time, ambitions to take over uh, their missing province, their renegade province, as they, they um, consider uh, Taiwan. And so you have uh, World War Three uh, and Four potentially right there, as it were, or one, uh, just one war if, you, if they join together. The thing is, and then of course we have the Middle East that is always on edge, uh, ready to go. You, can you see how the Lord holds the winds? He is holding the winds. He, you, you can see the Lord uh, in, at work holding the winds. But we don't know what the future holds, but one thing we know is we have the truth and we need to be uh, digging into that truth because without that, we have no hope of getting through this. The Lord does not prophesy evil against the righteous. Does he? Has he ever done that? Never prophesies failure against the righteous. But he does prophesy success to the righteous, to the true people. Now, what kind of God would prophesy evil against the righteous? It's you are a righteous man and he's going to prophesy that you are going down to the grave. You are going to make a mistake and uh, you are going down and uh, you will no longer be the, um, for instance, David. Uh, he did not uh, tell David that he would, his, his line, his family would lose uh, Israel, the 10 uh, tribe uh, uh, part of the kingdom. And he never does that with anyone. He never tells the righteous people, you, all that you're doing is a waste of time. You're going to fail. Okay? He doesn't do that. But the good part is, is that he does tell the 
his true people that, um, that they are going to succeed. It, and, and there's a third thing, and that is he warns those, let us take the example of the church, he warns the people in the church uh, to mend your ways or else, okay? Conditional. But, um, but except for that, uh, those three situations, uh, you will not find the Lord uh, prophesying evil against the righteous. He has told us that this message is going to succeed. It's something that we need to think on. When the times are dark, uh, when we are tempted to be discouraged um, as, a, as a people, or a, maybe in our belief in the message, this is the message that's gonna succeed. And uh, when we are tempted to think like that, remember, it is going to succeed. And the Lord has prophesied that it will. By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet was he preserved, Hosea 12, 13. Somebody is to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. And when he appears, men may say, you do not interpret the scriptures in the proper way. Testimonies to Ministers, page 475 and 76. In all the annals of church history since the Exodus movement, the rod message is the only one which calls for just such a movement and which exactly fits the type. The rod fits this type and it also it fits the type of somebody is to come in the spirit and power of Elijah, someone who brought this message. Unmistakably, therefore, the clear light shedding forth from type, from testimonies of the prophets and from history identify the message of the rod as the only ordained only one ordained to lead the latter-day church freed from sin and sinners into the land of promise when the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Luke 21, 24, and uh, answer three, page 22, 23. So this statement tells us several different things and it identifies the rod as the only message. The messenger who brings the rod, it is identifying here as Elijah, the person that they will say you do not interpret the scriptures in the proper way. It's very clear that this is anatypical Elijah. And the message of the rod is identified as the only one ordained by God to lead the people into the land. Now, this is so clear, brethren, that if anyone ever looks anywhere else besides the rod, they... Um, I wouldn't say they deserve what they get, but, but it, is, uh, it is clearly a, some sort of, of uh, iniquity in their heart for them to scorn the Lord's clear statement. He has been kind to us. He has been very direct to us. He has told us this is the only one. Why are you going to look for another? There is no other message besides the rod. And it is ordained. Now, when God ordains something in this manner, in this usage of the word, ordained is destined. It is determined. Now, God doesn't determine your fate. He doesn't predestine anybody's fate. But he does ordain certain things. And he ordains that 
for instance, thus far will the ocean go, the sea, and no more. And uh, he divided the dry land from the ocean, uh, 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 the sea. He also ordains that there will be a church and that the, um, uh, that the enemy himself will not be, over, uh, be able to overcome this ordained church. And this message is the one that is to lead the church freed from sin and sinners into the land of promise. So this message goes into the kingdom. If there's someone who brings another message, we have to have an add-on, new light, and so on. It is not um, the message that goes into the kingdom. It's a message that diverts you somewhere else. Let, I hope that everyone sees this. It is the only one. It says it's the last two in other places, but it's the only message. There's not any other message that is possible. And anyone who has a message, who has named it with a name, and says that they're a prophet, or says that they're Elijah, they automatically disqualify themselves from any serious consideration by true Davidians. Real Davidians will take one look at these people and like the message clearly it shows that you are an imposter and, uh, and turned the other way. But it is wonderful to know that we have this message, that we are a part of this movement, this work, and that, we, uh, that the Lord has given us a chance to know this. Here is seen that inspiration does not at once lighten our path clear to the end, but it does so step by step, that God's truth is progressive. Now, at the beginning of the church, in the early days when the Adventist, uh, Seventh-day Adventists was assembling, coming together, did the Lord give them straight messages on the Laodicean condition at that time? Not at the beginning. They were not told that they were going to, uh, to, to straighten up or they would lose out. Uh, at, to begin with, uh, until they went into uh, the, the borders of apostasy and across, uh, they were not given messages uh, to... Uh, uh, to show that, um, that their success was conditional. Okay, it's always conditional, but they were not told that they would lose out. The light on that was a step-by-step -step revelation that didn't really come clear until the time of Brother Hadaf, when the message came. And that's when we understood the situation behind, as it were. So the light is, um, the uh, inspiration uh, works uh, to lighten our path step by step, not clear to the end. Now, it does this even in small detail. So what is going to happen next week in the world or uh, 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 any particular thing that is not delineated by prophecy? Uh, Brother Hadaf says in 1 Code 14.5, it might be interesting to Elder G to know that the naming of our camp, Mount Carmel Center, came about in the same way as the naming of our publications, the Shepherd's Rod. We did not know beforehand that it was in prophecy until after our attention was called to Micah 7.14 and Amos 1.2. So until they were in 1935, they did not know 
that the, the prophecy of Mount Carmel was even in the message. The light was step by step. As it was time for them to know something, the light uh, then uh, uh, progressively was shed there uh, uh, by the Lord, and the, uh, Brother Howdoff was inspired to um, make that plain. The same thing is true with Mount Carmel that was true with, uh, um, with um, the church. At the beginning there, right there in that letter, in that code, Brother Hadith did not tell, the, sorry, the Lord did not tell Brother Hadith and did not tell the people, your wife uh, is going to uh, work with uh, others here at Mount Carmel to bring about uh, an apostasy, a, a lot of false teaching and doctrine and, and work and so on. That was not said, that was not revealed. Why would God reveal some discouraging thing like that to them? They had a chance. They were not uh, predestined. They, Mount Carmel could succeed. It had the chance. It was not prophesied that they had to fail. And God never does that. The one thing he didn't do, though, is prophesy that Mount Carmel Center would succeed. In fact, he gave instructions that Mount Carmel Center was to sell. And uh, you uh, would wonder, why are you going to sell all if um, you're going out of business? And that was, uh, the Lord knew that something was going to happen, but he, even then he did not tell them what. He did not, he did not tell them, uh, uh, it is, Mount Carmel is gonna be teaching much error and it must uh, be dissolved. Now, while the Lord did not guarantee the success of Mount Carmel, he guaranteed the success of the message, which is even more important, actually. Moreover, as sure as the devil lives, he will employ every possible agency to either add to God's truth or to subtract from it, aggravating and disheartening, especially capitalizing on the misfortunes and afflictions of the saints to thus secure their downfall, if possible. Principally, he will depend upon two of his most powerful and successful agencies, extremisms, one pushing to the right and another to the left, in an effort to scatter as much as possible away from the center path of light, he will endeavor to drive one class into the fires of fanaticism and to plunge another class into the icy waters of unconcern. We see that today, right now. Uh, we have anti-drug fanatics today in Davidia uh, who agitate in the face of severe health challenges, do not use any appropriate drugs. Now, that cannot be. No sensible, true Davidian would take that position if there is a safe and effective drug. We don't believe in poisonous drugs that are harmful, but we do believe in life-saving uh, uh, treatments, whether for whatever they be, it doesn't matter what they be, if they are a life-saving uh, treatment, we are in favor of it, as long as it's not poisonous. So that's one type of uh, extremism. The other, to the cold, uh, 
we have lots of people who are cold. Um, they have lost their enthusiasm. They've lost their first love for the message. Uh, they've lost hope, I think. Hope for themselves, hope for the work, I'm not sure. But if you know the message, I want you to be certain in your heart that this message is going to overcome. It's going to succeed. And it will carry you along too if you let it. If you allow the Lord to uh, do this work uh, for you. And there's no reason for us to be cold. Icy waters of unconcern. To this end, he will seek to convince the former class that their afflictions and misfortunes are the evident result of imperfect obedience to present truth and will mock the latter class as fanatically strict in their course of faith. Now, in an effort to scatter as many as possible, this is a prophecy. It has happened. It is happening. The Lord is, uh, uh, the, the enemy is doing this. He is scattering. And while the Lord tries to gather, the enemy scatters. The only ones who will endure to the end will be those who, faithful, who carefully watch their steps from being carried away either by his additions to or by his subtractions from the works of inspiration. Now, both are problems, and we are to do neither. What has happened is it has become such an established norm in Davidia to subtract large sections from the message that when people run into that and see someone teaching the message the way Brother Hadith taught it, um, they, it's like, you added, you're adding. <laughs> And what they would uh, essentially be saying is, uh, uh, you are not allowed to teach the message the way Elijah taught it, because that's what we do. We strictly and honestly teach it uh, the way Elijah taught it by his, what? What did he say? His precept and his example. That's what he said, and we teach that. And I don't think that if you've heard that anywhere else, I'll be very surprised. But we teach his precept and example because that's what he said that we need to pay attention to. So additions and subtractions, they are common today and they are put there to scatter us. They are put there to scatter us. The additions are somewhat easier to see sometimes. It's hard to see something that is not there, that is subtracted, okay? And we have plenty of, of real Davidians who of not through any fault of their own, but they have um, come into a message that with subtractions, and they don't even know that they're subtractions, okay? But additions uh, appear before your very eyes. And we have prophets who are busily adding. They add a um, time-setting element, a favorite element, uh, and uh, we have brethren, uh, uh, Brother Ariel and uh, others who are busy uh, every year predicting something. So far, nothing has happened, but it doesn't stop him from predicting something every year, usually Ezekiel 9, of course. But additions are something that we should, uh, we should not take lightly. Uh, if, we, if there are additions, we should ask the a person, 
Where do you get the authority to teach these things? Where do you get the authority to, for your supplemental doctrines? Are you Elijah? We already saw that Elijah has come. And Brother Hadith directly connects Elijah to the shepherd's rod time and time again, which is not surprising, uh, of course, to us. But there are people who have been deceived and have been told that Elijah is not, uh, Brother Hadith is not Elijah. Okay? Now, you wonder how could anyone possibly fall for that? I'm not sure either, by the way, but uh, they do. That's a fact. And uh, I think what it is is that these people just, they're earnest people who don't know, uh, don't have a background, and uh, they're fooled. They have no history. The history is totally lacking, no perspective, Davidian perspective. And so if someone comes up to them and says, no, he's not Elijah, I'm Elijah. Okay? And they fall for it over and over and over again. Not just one person is doing this. It really has to stop, brethren. You, as Davidians, need to be able to take one look at these people and tell your brothers and sisters, that's a joke. Okay, that's, not, that's nothing. Uh, it's a deluded person. And let your voice uh, uh, carry weight. Stand up for the truth. In Revelation uh, 2.5, the Lord sternly addresses one group of leaders, warning them that unless they repent and do <clears throat> their first works, he will come unto them quickly and remove the candlestick out of their control. He makes that fate entirely conditional on their own response to his cutting rebuke. And so uh, the Lord did not tell them of a certainty that he would do this, uh, that this is what was locked in, predestined to happen. But this is what he did and, and, and will do. And so uh, this has happened time after time. Movement after movement has had uh, to be restarted. It is going on seven years since, the, since God commanded us by the rod to eat the abundance of the milk and honey, which in, in the substance of truth, spiritual food, doubtless bulks greater than all the truth put together, which the church has had heretofore. Now, that is a very interesting statement. We have more light, more prophetic light than all the previous truth. It is true. Uh, you say, well, Sister White wrote a lot. She did. A lot of what she wrote was the same thing. Uh, just republished by the white estate over and over. Uh, also, she did not write on doctrinal topics that much. And so, even though she wrote a lot, uh, we still have much more truth today than the church has. There comes to every present truth um, uh, believer their solemn questions. Am I refusing the evil and choosing the good? Do I find myself walking faithfully in the glorious light, or am I, rebellious, am I rebellious like that rebellious house? And we have light, we have glorious light to walk in. We need to just accept it the way it is, the way Brother Howdoff taught it, and not add or subtract. Now, 
I have noticed for a, quite a while, uh, many times when I'm looking for to, uh, something to, for proof of something in the message, I will land on a letter. And usually I just ignore those letters. But I realize that the letters are perfect for explaining what people understood Mount Carmel to be teaching and what Mount Carmel was actually teaching because Mount Carmel published it, okay? And so um, uh, I will be using those things because uh, a lot of people are like, how do you know that this is what Brother Hadaf taught? Well, we do know. We know for a number of reasons, but it's possible to know uh, what Brother Hadaf said. Read the literature and you will know. And we don't have to be um, uh, uh, accepting evil and rejecting good. We need to be following in the glorious light exactly the way Brother Hadaf taught it. And if we aren't, we need to ask this question. By what authority are you teaching differently? Just ask that question right away. No true prophet has a message that is half true and half false. We have a number of those time-setting uh, Elijahs who uh, have to scrub their, their uh, um, websites, they scrub their um, past teachings off of the internet because it didn't come true. Always download uh, whatever you see from those brethren because you may not see it again in a few years. In fact, you almost certainly guaranteed not to see it. So um, the point of that is a true Elijah does not adjust his message. A, a, the, a true prophet does not have to edit his words. They have, they're not his words. The, the, what the prophet says is from God. We'll read that. Elijah's, I mean, Ezekiel could only speak what was put into his mouth. So there's no editing. You can fine tune it for uh, linguistic beauty and so, lucidity and so on, but you cannot uh, fix error and so on. It has no error to be fixed. When God reveals truth, he is able to lead his servants in all truth and does not allow such instruments to mix his truth with error. Though they may not understand all, yet the message they bear is the truth and nothing but the truth. This message, this shepherd's rod message, is all truth. It does not have any doctrinal error. Now, those other Elijahs have to edit themselves, correct themselves, change what they had, and so on. Any prophet who has to make a change in what he said is not a true prophet. I'm talking about a substantial change in meaning in, the, in, in what he has predicted and whatever. It's not a small thing for a prophet to make a mistake. Uh, for you and for me, it is uh, natural for us to mis make a mistake. We are not inspired interpretative prophets as Elijah was. Not one of us is held to that standard that Brother Hadaf was held to when he was teaching the message. And today, if you see somebody having to fix up their prediction, you see someone who was uh, not speaking according to the Lord's inspiration. He was speaking lies according to his own uh, imagination. That is one of the signs, a very important sign of a prophet.
The shepherd's rod is the pure truth. And I said, the Lord will make thy tongue cleave to the roof of thy mouth and thou shalt be dumb. But when I speak with thee, I will open thy mouth and thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Ezekiel 3, 26, uh, 27. That is a situation that we are in. When Brother Hadith was not inspired to speak about the 42 months, he published nothing. Okay, someone else might have, but Brother Hadith did not publish. He could not speak if he did not have the word of the Lord. And Brother Hadith says, tract one, page um, 28, this positive declaration by the Lord himself manifests that the message be unadulterated the pure truth, absolute truth, uh, proof absolute against contamination of man's utterance. The messengers being made dumb can only speak when he opens their mouths and only what he puts in their mouths. Thus saith the Lord God, taking no credit to themselves, they are to exalt inspiration. The prophet is not prophesying of himself. It is what the Lord puts in his mouth, in his mind, to say. And that is why we have truth without error in the message, and that is why you have lots of error in the other people, uh, the other, uh, many other um, uh, split-off groups okay, that have um, come up. Um, the, the thought of being a prophet somehow appeals to a certain mentality. There is a type of Davidian mind, a twisted type of mind, that wants the, likes the idea of being exalted, okay? Being, uh, that likes the idea of being lifted up to be a prophet of the Lord. Now, they're not really a prophet, and they have no reason to want to, to be a prophet like that from the Lord, but they still want to do that. Now, well, you might think that they're bad. I think that they're more mad than bad but only God can truly judge the situation where they are, okay? But there, I, I do know that a healthy, wholesome Davidian mind doesn't go that way. And when you see someone going that way and saying, I am Elijah, okay? You, you need to thrust the spirit of truth through them instantly, without a second thought, because the true prophet was made dumb and he could only speak when the Lord gave him something to say. When Elijah ate the book, it was as it also, sorry, when Ezekiel ate the book, it was as is also to be noted in his mouth as sweet as honey for sweetness, but not bitter in his belly as was the one which John ate, Revelation 10.10. Though, 10. So, therefore, as the word shows, there will be no disappointment with this message as there was with the one in 1844. Uh, and this is uh, track one, page 31. No disappointment with this message. Now, there are some people who have argued, and Adventists too, who have argued that, well, what about the disappointment in 1959 when uh, you brethren expected Ezekiel 9? We didn't expect that. This association forebears was not there. We were not there at the, um, at the Mount, uh, New Mount Carmel, and we didn't expect it. 
and many other Davidians all around. Faithful Davidians didn't expect it either. Some did there at Mount Carmel. Some were fooled, but not everyone, brethren. Lots and lots of true brethren, 7,000, did not bow the knee there to that, uh, that error that was being taught by the message. Is that what it was? That's one of Sister Howdy's most offensive things in justifying herself in her code uh, later on after that. She says it was the message's fault. The message deceived her. The message was not true. I'm not making this up, it's plain. She does put all the blame on the message. But that is the enemy, as always, projecting his wickedness on the Lord. Same old thing. The fact is, it wasn't the message that predicted Ezekiel 9 in 1959. It was Florence Hermanson and Howdiff and her mother, Sofidel Hermanson, who was something of a prophet, I'm quoting uh, from an old um, uh, personal statement that was explaining who she was. And uh, I have another letter where Brother Smith, C.T. Smith, um, says, I've never been in a place like this before. Every spring they expect Ezekiel 9. The rumor runs around, okay? And, um, and he was a broad-minded man in that same letter, which I think is a remarkable letter. He goes on to say, I don't see us finishing the work for another 20 years, which would have been about 1967 or so. <laughs> uh, so because he was just sensible, it's like there's a lot of work to be done. Okay, how could they expect us to just walk away and our work is not done? But you see, that undercurrent, that unofficial rumor-mongering thing that was going on uh, became official after Brother Hadith died. There's no disappointment in the message. There was a disappointment to the people who wrongly added their ideas to the message. Now. In 1844, the message was the return of Christ. Okay, that was the message. And, and they misunderstood, but what they understood and what they taught was wrong, okay? That there would be a visible appearing. And that was a disappointment. And it was the, with that message, brethren, but not with our message. Our message does not have a disappointment. There's no... Uh, bitterness in the belly of Ezekiel for this message. The fact that the day of Jezreel is to be great together with the fact that he is a symbol of a prophet prove that not only the Davidian message itself is in prophecy, but so also are its success and the need of reformation uh, therein recorded. Here you see that the enemy's wicked effort to squelch the message and to make Jezreel's work of none effect will come to naught. And this wicked uh, effort is still going on. Jezreel is a prophet. He symbolizes a prophet, a real person, per a person who even signed his name Jezreel. And to this day, they are trying to make his work to no effect, to steal his office. For, the great, for great shall be the day of Jezreel, says the Almighty One, while he bring all his people out of the land. And it will come to pass that Jezreel's, the day of Jezreel will be great 
and it will be a great success. And this is ordained. This is something that the message guarantees that there's not going to be a disappointment. There's not going to be a going back around uh, the long uh, uh, route. There's not time to organize another movement to have a whole new go at it. Plain you, plainly, you see, the Davidians, their message, and their success are in prophecy. That's so interesting. How many people can say that? How many religions can say that? Show me where that is said in the spirit of prophecy about the Adventists. Now, the Adventist church is God's church. It is God's church. But it is God's church <coughs> in a very mixed state today. And it will uh, only be, you could only say this about their success once it is purified. But for us, the Davidians, their message and their success are in prophecy. Not the, the Lord is very particular about his reputation, about his word. And um, he, he made sure that anciently people realized that, that for his word's sake, he would, keep, he would keep this. For his name's sake, he would do this. Whatever he has said, he would do. He has said, made a point of doing this. And if he says that this is the prophecy, success is, uh, is prophesied, then um, there's nothing that can be done. We cannot do anything. We can't stop it. Uh, we can apostatize ourselves, okay? We can do that. Uh, Satan can do anything he is permitted to do, but he cannot stop something that is prophesied. The success of this message is prophesied. To me, um, you know, many people have fallen asleep over the years, good and righteous people. And I think it, it is important to me that I make it to the kingdom, but whether I make it to the kingdom or not, to me, I find it very, very reassuring and comforting to know that this message is going to succeed. It wasn't for naught that all the sacrifice, all the efforts that we have made, it was not for naught, brethren. It will succeed. Inspiration thus shows that our efforts with this message are absolutely certain to effect the greatest reformation of all time, that the children's rebuke to the mother is surely to bring peace and happiness to the household of God. We, therefore, have every reason to be positive, as positive of winning, and as anxious to work as was ancient David when he faced the giant Goliath. And that seems like a huge impossibility. How are we ever going to do this? How are we going to face the giant? But it was nothing for God. And David was the only one who would face the giant, by the way. Everyone else was afraid. Isn't that interesting? God could have worked through them, but they were afraid. If you have courage, if you have faith, if you're willing to let the Lord use you, you will be able to affect a great victory, just like uh, David did, each one of us. Provisional in setup as well as in name. Now, we have no guarantee, each one of us, that we are going to succeed. 
Uh, we have the Lord's assurance that if we do our part, he will do his part. If we uh, persevere, we will overcome. But uh, collectively, the Lord does promise that um, the message is going to overcome. And that's good. That's, we need to know that. And we need to know one more thing. What, where is this um, message going forth from? How is it going forth? Uh, is this going forth from Battle Creek? Some people want to move back to Battle Creek. Is it move, going forth from um, Silver Springs? Is it going forth from Los Angeles, Hoover Street? Is it going forth from uh, Old Mount Carmel? We don't know uh, because the message did not say, the, but did not indicate the name of the state and the city. But the Lord has different ways of identifying the truth. He can come from different directions. He's not limited to doing things the same way every time. And he had to give us some information uh, while at the same time he, uh, he had to hide that information because remember, truth is only revealed step by step. And uh, it, he could not reveal uh, the information, discouraging information to earlier people. And it had to be in the message, but it was nothing to the Lord. The Lord is able to encode that information and then have it decoded at the right time. This is from the Leviticus, uh, page two to begin with, provisional in setup as well as in name. The Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association exists solely to accomplish a divinely appointed work within the Seventh-day Adventist denomination, wherein it therefore strictly confines its activities. As its work there within draws to a close, and the servants of our God are sealed. Its name will be changed, and its purpose and its work will become all embracing to the gospel. Then its constitution and bylaws, as herein codified, will become fully operative. So we want to just um, uh, talk about this Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association because it's good to know that the message overcomes, the message goes all the way. But we need to know what is the vehicle that the Lord is using, the, the, the earthly vehicle, uh, the association that he uses to uh, propagate that message. It has important ramifications for us personally and collectively. So, the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association is uh, said here to exist to accomplish a divinely appointed work. Now, you cannot find, as far as I know, a statement that says the general association exists to accomplish a purpose. But you see here that this association is going to accomplish a purpose in the church. Now, why? is that just saying that about the Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. And the reason why God says this, and this is prophecy, uh, fulfilled prophecy, brethren, fulfilled prophecy before your eyes, 
The reason God says this is if he had said this about the general association, it would be false. You see, the general association, before it went out of business, and I'm not talking about any association today that exists today. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm just talking about the uh, Brother Harris General Association. And before it went out of business, it actually strictly uh, directed its work toward the Protestant world. <laughs> and it stopped working much for the, uh, for the Adventist uh, world. And I actually have run into a remnant of these people. There's a very tiny remnant. And they were explaining to me, we don't go to Adventist church, you know, we are more open, we work for uh, the other churches. And it was so interesting there. And then they kind of trimmed their sails a little bit when they saw how shocked and surprised I was. But, but it was, they were telling the truth, okay? And they, they're the only people as a little group that have a high regard for Sister Howdoff. They do have a high regard for Sister Howdoff, and that's a, there's a reason for that, but we're not going into everything. But uh, the point here is that uh, Carmel, the general association, turned and directed their work to the Protestant world in direct opposition and contradiction to pr the prophetic word of God. But God had already set up a solution to that. Uh, it, there is a, it's kind of like a chess game between him and the enemy, but on multiple, multiple levels beyond our comprehension. And the enemy is like, ha, I blocked him here. I, I turned that general association into nothing, working for the world and so on. But the Lord had already 10 years, uh, uh, 16 years previously, whatever, had prophesied that it was the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association that would exist to accomplish the work, okay? So uh, that is just something to be aware of. Just as we are promised that this movement is going to succeed, we are promised that this association is going to accomplish the work for the church. And that, then that is when our constitution and bylaws uh, as Heron codified will become fully operative. Now, many people have their concerns about that. Uh, you mean the Leviticus is going to be operative in the kingdom? Yes, that's what Brother Hadith means. Take it or leave it. Now, this is what he means. And I take it. This, and I hope you do too. Okay, so um, this is from page three. This association shall be known provisionally as the Davidian Seventh-day Adventists, the prophetic offspring of the parent Seventh-day Adventists, uh, the Laodicean Church. And then page 12, a couple of extracts from page 12 and 13. Uh, this association within the Seventh-day Adventist organization is ordained to the work of a threefold end. Now, this is a most remarkable prophecy. A little nothing association, okay, that only emerged to public view in 1961 uh, with a literally just a few hundred supporters worldwide. Uh, number, uh, so this is the threefold end, starting with the, the, the first part we've already read about the work for the church, accomplish that work for the Seventh-day Adventist denomination. And then number three, then with a loud cry, it is to go into the highways and hedges, Luke 14, 23, preaching the everlasting gospel unto them that dwell on the earth and to every 
nation and kindred and tongue and people. Did you know that? This uh, Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association? Um, preaching the everlasting gospel unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, Revelation 14, 6. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. No, brethren, we're not going to be changing that. There are people, there's a common apostasy in the heresy in the church now. No Holy Spirit. Remove that Holy Spirit. It's mind-bogglingly wicked. Uh, and that is not going to happen because we're going to be baptizing in the name of the three uh, persons of the Godhead. Teaching in the kingdom period. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever Christ commanded, Matthew 28, 9, 20, and 20, 19 and 20. With the consequent fruits of this work, the second of the harvest, it is to enlarge the kingdom until it fills the whole earth. Daniel 2.35. Okay, so in case we didn't know, this movement succeeds, this message succeeds, this association succeeds. Now that's pretty remarkable. Don't get too uh, uh, spiritually lifted up about this because it says nothing at all for you and me. And uh, if we are faithful, we will have a part to the end in one way or another. Okay, be faithful. Why let the cares of the world distract you? Why let the little, uh, um, the, the little um, ambitions and necessities of the world distract you from something like that? You know it's like a, a child that is um, uh, playing uh, at, the, uh, at the seashore. Uh, maybe they're playing with the little pebbles and so on, and you want to show him uh, something really nice. You f found a, um, once I saw a baby shark, a dead one at the, on the beach, okay? And I'm not sure if that's especially nice or whatever, but you want to show the child something much better over here, but they don't want to leave the little pebbles and things they're messing around with there, okay? That's how some of us are. We have our little life that it means a lot to us. And the Lord understands that it means a lot to us, but he has something better. He has something much more important for us. We need to devote ourselves to his things, his message, his ideas, his goals. We need to make his ways our ways. God has had only one church, one truth, and one way of salvation for all generations. The same is also expressed in the words of Paul. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father for all. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. This is God's way. And when you don't see it like that, when you see scattering, you see Satan at work. And some people prefer to have the scattering. They insist on it. But that's not God's way, and he is not insisting on the scattering. We are insisting on it. Satan is uh, uh, through us. God's church has been symbolized also by earthly objects. We speak of the symbols, we speak of the symbols by women, uh, namely Hagar and Sarah. 
The former is a symbol of the Jewish and the, and the latter of the Christian church. See the Shepherd's Rod, volume one, page 136. These earthly symbols point out, the, out God's church in different sections and conditions. But the woman clothed with the sun and her eagle's wings being of heavenly origin denote God's true church, truth in one continuous line and her child, our only savior and redeemer in both periods, before and after Christ. Uh, 2SR, page 76. Now, the, uh, the woman is not, is a church, and Rebecca is a church, and Leah is a church uh, um, symbol also, but not of one denomination. A denomination is one thing, but the church of God is another thing. And the church of God moves on. And today, the church of God, uh, from a denominational point of view, is the Seventh-day Adventist church. But is it the church that is teaching the truth today? They have all that big plenitude of truth. They don't have it, and they reject it, and they very vigorously don't want it. They don't have the truth, brethren, and so uh, the the, the true church of God today is identified by those who are teaching the truth, neither adding or subtracting. Very important uh, concept. Now, this is how Brother Hadif taught it. This is how um, the, uh, Mount Carmel taught it. And I'm closing with this, uh, this uh, um, verse of a poem. Uh, from 3 code 11 to 12, page 6. I will digest the symbol code, uh, my present truth, my lone abode. I'll gather up the fragments too. I'll do whate'er the Lord bids me do. Yes, I this woman do behold, whose seed must be pure as gold. Tis God's true church in every age, still all faithful, who engage in his great plan of saving souls instead of money-raising goals. O oh Lord, make this one thing, I plead, make me one of this woman's seed. This is the teaching of Mount Carmel. And we, we think that those who are doing the money-raising goals and so on are the church. Okay, that's the true church. Well, it's God's denomination, it's God's church, but when we speak of the church, God's true church in every age, those are the people who have the truth. Those are the people who are living the truth. And that is uh, uh, the God's true church is not limited to a denomination, a general conference, organized church, and so on. Something to be uh, very much uh, 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 careful to understand. And so when we say, uh, what is God's true church? Uh, and um, this is three code, so it's a 1938, I think. Um, what is God's true church? Where, where, is God, where is God's true church in 1938? It was right there with the brethren, the Davidians, uh, the shepherd's rod believers is what they call themselves. Uh, but it was right there. This poem, incidentally, was written by... Um, John Wilson's uh, wife. John Wilson is a son of, was the son of Elder Wilson. And uh, he was um, 
killed uh, in a uh, traffic accident. It wasn't uh, his fault. Uh, he was a passenger, but he was killed in 1944, I think. But this was written while they were at Mount Carmel. Uh, well, of course, he was alive, and, and she was part of Mount Carmel. Um, so, um, brethren, uh, God has a true church today, and that true church is not bounded by denominational walls. It would be nice if everyone in the denomination was part of the true church, but in fact, they're not, okay? Mostly they're tears at this point. And hopefully, they, many will be saved, and only the Lord knows that, what, what the situation will be. But God's true church is, uh, the true Seventh-day Adventist church today is not the general conference denominated group, okay? It is uh, this, these people right here, the 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And uh, I, I hope that we are all familiar with this concept. It's not new, it's what the message teaches, multiple places. But if it is new to you, think about it and try to make it your own because you are, if you are faithful, if you do what the Lord tells you to do, if I do, we will be part of this, we are part of this true church, the true church of God. And it is certain that this church and this movement, this truth goes on all the way to the end. And what is the end? The end is the end of probation for the world. That's where this, this movement ends. And that is quite remarkable. So let us be faithful to the truth the Lord has given us. Let us um, be uh, determined that whatever little trinkets and baubles that the uh, enemy will try to uh, fool us with. You remember the story Brother Harif tells of the little girl with the um, gold uh, something. What was it? Bracelet, and she put it on the scale there to make up her weight, whatever. Uh, that was not very wise, was it? And we do that. That's the lesson. We do that. We lose very valuable uh, benefits and uh, possibilities and blessings because we want some trivial, uh, short-term, worldly uh, benefit. Not wise, brethren. Don't do that. And uh, let us be faithful, all, each one of us, to the very end. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association. You can find us online at www.bashanhill.org, and you can call us at 417-835-2162.